Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, good morning, Kalos Church. My name is Miles Stefan Asidao Chong, but you can call me Miles, or Yards for short, or Kilometer for long. Any unit of measurement is fine, except feet, because that's kind of weird. It is a pleasure to speak with all of you today on the topic of reaping what you sow. It's been one year two months and one week since I started coming to Kalos. Before that, it had been a decade since I first stepped foot in a church. In fact, I actually gave my testimony at Kalos camp last year, talking about how I had prayed for the first time in 10 years after going through a friendship breakup. And so I asked my friend and mentor, John Park, if I could come with him to church. And now I'm up here, one year later. Galatians chapter six, verse seven through nine say, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit will reap eternal life. That's what it says. (laughs) Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. As you might be able to see, I grew up Filipino, and so I grew up going to church regularly. I attended youth camps, and I even did skits for our hometown church, as uh, you can see here with my uh, curly-haired adolescent Roman soldier days. Bring it back. That is not a wig. It is safe to say that I grew up in love with Jesus. But I grew up, I went off to college, and I stopped going to church. It's safe to say I I turned a blind eye to Jesus at some point. Fast forward to 2020, I had just lost my job. I ended a seven-year relationship, and I thought by coming to Seattle, I would be able to find a clean slate and be the man that I wanted to be. But that manifested itself as selfishness, lust, and greed. Those self-destructive seeds that I had sown reaped a rotten harvest. In the words of J. Cole, the good news is you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way. I had sown seeds to please the flesh, and from that I had reaped destruction. Now, In the words of J. Christ, when I prayed for the first time in 10 years, he gave me a vivid message. He said, come back to me. And so now I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to sow the seeds of the Spirit, and I feel like the Spirit has granted me eternal life. I'm surrounded right here, right now by amazing friends. 
I recently bought a house for myself, by myself, kind of for my dog too. Uh, my parents and I, my brother and I, have the strongest relationship that I feel like I've ever had with them. And I found joy and success in the job that I moved up here for at a little bookstore called Amazon. <laughs> I feel like I'm reaping a bountiful harvest, kind of like Carlin and Morgan's garden. Yeah. Or even uh, Josh Martin's garden, too. Yeah. And if there's one thing that I can leave you all with today, it's actually the last four words of that verse. Went the wrong way. Just kidding, it's the other verse. Do not give up. If you sow the seeds of the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Thank you. I'm nervous. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Leanne, and my, <laughs> and my family and I have been attending Kalos for the past two years, and today my topic is on what it means to live a life guided by the Spirit. You know, growing up in a broken immigrant household, a lesson instilled from my parents was that your hard work is what builds your life. And they were refugees who escaped the Vietnam War on a boat. They came here with absolutely nothing. And their first job was literally picking blueberries in fields. And they gradually built up their own stable lifestyle. So, you know, their experience really shaped and guided my own understanding of the world that required my own efforts. I didn't grow up in church either, um, but everything ch changed when a friend invited me out for the first time. You know, as a young 18-year-old at the time, I didn't know that this invitation would alter the course of my life forever. Um, but how many of us have been moved by God so many times in our lives, but all too often do we end up forgetting these pivotal moments only to turn back to our old ways? You know, it could be a lot of different factors that leave us astray from the spirit, whether that's, <laughs> whether that's distract, uh, distractions of the world or our own strongholds or just difficult moments in life that have left us feeling hopeless and abandoned. And to be honest, that's been the theme of my life ever since I said yes to him. You know, there are so many moments where I've witnessed the spirit of God move, whether that's through my own personal life or through the lives of other people. And even in those moments, I there's still moments where I doubt it all. I feel like we have that one thing that keeps us from completely surrendering it all to Jesus. Mine would be fear. I know that it's the enemy to my own faith. And to be honest, there's moments in my life where I feel like I'm on this crossroad and I purposely don't want to give my life fully into the promises of God because of the fear of the cost that could come with that. In Galatians chapter three, verses two to three, Paul says, let me ask you only this, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun with the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You know, here, Paul is asking a lot of rhetorical questions to the church, and he's rebuking the Galatians because they've seen the power of Christ move before, but here they are reverting back to their old ways again of adhering to the law instead for their salvation. Paul reminds them that with Jesus, we are called to live a life by the Spirit. And that means being rooted in this understanding that what has begun in the Spirit is to be maintained by the Spirit. So if it starts with him, it's not gonna be through our own accord that keeps us going, it's gonna be through him alone. You know, 
the world is progressively growing darker and this reality became even more evident to me after becoming a parent this past, or I guess last year. <laughs> um, I remember I was attending a small group months back and we were on this topic of leadership and suffering um, and the cost of following God. And this conversation led up to talking about a devastating event that happened earlier this year, which was the Nashville shooting and how um, one of the victims killed was a nine-year-old daughter of a pastor. And that absolutely broke my heart because it makes me think that if that ever happened to Emery, my daughter in the back over there, like how, how would I even respond? It's moments like that, that fear creeps back into my heart and the thought of not fully giving my life to him sounds like the safer choice. And I think, you know, if I could just half-heartedly take up my cross to avoid any potential pain, like, why wouldn't I do that? And I remember asking Pastor Amritha, you know, like, as a pastor, do you ever get scared of fully living your life for Jesus, knowing that there's a cost to it? And something that she said really struck me to this day. She said, of course I get scared, especially when it comes to the cost of my own family. But to me, thinking about suffering with Jesus is far greater than a life of suffering without him in it. Wow. And it makes me think about Matthew 16. Um, you know, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and profits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? To wrap it up, you know, I just want to encourage the church and myself included that life with Jesus, even with suffering, will always be better than a life without him in it. To think about losing our life for his sake, it's such a scary thought, but in the Bible, God says that he promises us that we will find life through that. You know, the spirit of fear will distract you from living your purpose, but it's the spirit of God that will always guide you towards purpose. And I, I want my ceiling to be Emery's floor. Yeah. You know, I, I want her to know that the blessings in our lives were never from my own doing. God, here I'm crying. <laughs> it was never from my own doing that worked in our favor, you know, but it was because of moments in complete surrendered faith that saying yes to him was and will always be the better choice. And, you know, living a life guided by the Spirit to me means striving to live a life completely surrendered to the cross daily and knowing that in full confidence that it will always be worth it. Amen. Good morning. My name is Josh Martin, and I've been with Kalos now for a couple years. I started during COVID, which felt like 10 years. And I want to start this morning by reading a passage from Galatians. Um, I actually don't have it on the screen because back in the day you just heard the scripture. So, <laughs> For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You've heard a lot during the sermon series regarding the concept that salvation is offered through grace, 
and not works. Just as one cannot simply walk in the Mordor, so we cannot simply earn our salvation by being a good person, no matter how hard we try. This is something that's a struggle for me, um, doing my deep desire to prove that I'm worthy of being alive. Self-worth and mental health have always been tough for me for multiple reasons. A part of it, though, has to do with my being abandoned and adopted as a child. While I'm so thankful for my loving family and the beautiful childhood that I had, it did come with some challenges regarding abandonment and a constant fear of being left or that I'm a mistake. I struggled with believing that I'm worthy of being here, and that led to a religion where I found value for myself and how many things I did for others, how many trucks I drove, how many events I ran, and how many people I impacted. Throughout my life, I've continually left before others could leave me. I found myself always chasing after that next adventure, and I was fortunate enough to, as I moved from state to state, create a lot of families out of friends. I never stuck around to be a part of any of them, though. The constant image in my mind was of my being a builder of a house. I built the physical house and then I maintained it. I also created and organized the family that lived in it. However, I was always destined to leave. I clung to this identity that I was destined to always be the one observing from the outside and never allowed myself to be a part of the room itself. When I considered the calling to live in God's freedom, I felt two principles come to mind as I prepared. One of them being freedom from, and the other being freedom to. Freedom from designates that we are free from the weights that so easily entangle us, and they hold us back. For me, this weight feels like the idea that I owe the world my life in return for the opportunities given to me through being adopted. The constant expectation that I need to do something or be someone to make that choice and that opportunity justified. Freedom, too, correlates with the idea that the life promised to us is listed as life to the full in John 10.10. 10. What does a life look like where we are free to pursue God's calling without the fear of letting him down? For me, releasing the weight of expectation and leaning into the possibility that I am truly loved for who I am and can make choices without the fear of disappointment is everything. No longer do I need to bear the burden of a cross, not mine, but rather I'm able to pursue God's calling on my life without fear of letting him down or having wasted this life. I can be a son and not a soldier. Tim Keller once said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our own self-righteousness. And it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. True freedom comes from the place where we understand that the, co the concept that God fully sees us, loves us, and bears no expectations regarding our earning of our salvation. Praise be to God. Being a Christian is about more than just having a hall pass to heaven. It's about being able to live in freedom today.
Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning. My name is Patrick Crawfee, and truthfully, I was nervous at first, at first, but seeing all the smiling faces, I feel welcomed and warm. This is a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thank God for vulnerability and transparency, especially hearing all the stories. Uh, my wife and I, we moved there. Hey, boom, she's probably watching this right now. She, she didn't make it. Uh, we moved there from the East Coast, and uh, that tra transition was a little bit different. Uh, from the East Coast, the West Coast has its own dynamics that come with that, but even Pacific Northwest is just its own different monster. So, but I thank God for this community because early on, funny enough, we had this mentality of, you know, it's going to be us versus the world, right? Because we don't have any family here, but I thank God for Instagram because that's how we found out about this church. <laughs> So with that said, the topic I'm going to speak to today is about uh, we can't work our way into salvation. It's a free gift. And the reason why I wanted to speak to this because this was my ideology just a year ago. So my wife and I, we went to Africa last year. Uh, it was beautiful. And we were there with 20 other couples, and everyone was going through this pivot in their life. So we were doing the same thing. So we came home, and we did the Daniel fast, and we were just trying to seek God and hear his voice above anything else. So I got real aggressive. I said, I'm gonna read the Bible in six months. That never happened. But, <laughs> but I made it through. I'm still working through it. But as I'm going through the Old Testament, I started to adopt this ideology of the lost being my salvation. And this is what I was teaching my kids and teaching my wife. But I thank God for the power of perspective and the Holy Spirit and conviction. Because the Holy Spirit's here to be our advocate, to guide us and keep us on the path of righteousness. So with that, thank God for that, because if it was based on my doings and what I call good deeding your way into God's love, that means his love would be conditional. Yeah. And that's not how God operates yeah. at all. If it was like that, none of us would be here right now. Yeah. Because as it says, as Paul writes, oh, thank you, nice plug. As God writes in Romans, Romans 3, it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, a free gift, through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. And I put much emphasis on verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. All of us have, but I thank God that it's not about, his, his salvation doesn't come conditionally on how we honor him with his commands. It's about his free gift. It's about his through salvation of us having a purpose for us. I thank God for that. So my challenge as I leave here is, though it is a free gift, don't take advantage of it. Yeah. Not at all. Understand that it's a free gift and we have to honor God. Subscribe to it. Adopt the ideology that is about his grace and the saving grace and that his love is unconditional. All right, I did under three minutes. Good, good. Thank you. Great job. I'm more of an expander. I don't know if I can do that. Hi there. I'm Amy Benson and my husband Tyler and I. Hi. So good to be here with you today. We've been a part of the Kalos, Kalos community for just about a year, which is amazing. Loved so many things about this community, one of which being just the authenticity that we have found in all the people that we have met. And we're just really grateful for that. We've been married 23 years. We have three teenage daughters, um, ages 19, 17, and 14. So we are learning a lot, you guys. 
we're learning and growing in a deep, deep way. And I just want to say thank you to Pastors um, Amritha and Pradeepan for this opportunity today. So I have the privilege of sharing about the topic, God is still transforming lives. God is still transforming lives. Now, when I say that, what comes to mind for you? Is it like faith that just bubbles up inside of you? Is it like an invigorated hope? Do you maybe have curiosity about that? Or maybe, frankly, you have a little bit of doubt and cynicism. And that's okay. I just want to say that's okay. We're all in a different place. And based on our lived experience, we have a certain relationship with that phrase. But it's okay. I want to remind you, you're here today for a reason. But one thing that we can agree on is what it looks like to be transformed. Let's look at that definition. It is to make a thorough and dramatic change in form, appearance, or character of. Words like change, alter, metamorphose, you think of a butterfly, and transfigure. Wow, that's a powerful word. And as we've been in this summer series on Galatians, and you look at the author Paul, how many would agree that he is a living, breathing example of a transformed life? In fact, he says in Galatians chapter 1, when he's testifying, he says, you know, the people are saying about me, the very person who was trying to murder us and 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 destroy the way, he's literally preaching the very message he tried to destroy. And he goes on to say, and because of the transformation, there's that word, that happened in me, people are praising God. That's amazing. So I can relate to that. Can you relate to that at all, maybe, in your life? Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but about age 10, I got uh, sent to Camp Sambica, which is right here in Bellevue, uh, a Christian camp. My mom worked full-time, and honestly, I think she just needed somewhere for me to go uh, for day camp. But little did she know, I heard the gospel for the first time. And I remember sitting there with a counselor, you know, thank you, Jesus, for child, people that are like child care workers and, and counselors and just that love kids. That was me. That was me. Um, and I remember feeling that desire to accept Jesus as my savior, the, re the reality that I was a sinner and needed a savior. Well, you know, again, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I went on in my life, and I was a really high-level athlete for years. I went on to play in college at University of North Carolina, where we won three national championships. And all, okay. <laughs> and all that to say, it was a life of a lot of striving, a lot of performance, a lot of working hard. And, you know, on to, you know, 20 plus years of pastoring and loving people in the church. But frankly, a lot of religious practices and tradition can kind of creep in. And before you know it, you're like, am I relying on the power of the Holy Spirit or on my own strength? And how many know that transformation isn't just that moment where someone accepts Jesus? We know in that moment you're made righteous. That's powerful. That's true transformation. You go from death to life, from forgiven, from, from not forgiven to righteous and made justified. But you know what I want to say? There are moments of transformation that are just kind of everyday, but they're just as significant. Moments like when you choose to forgive someone someone who's hurt you, wounded you, or betrayed you. Moments when you choose to say something soft or kind when all you want to do is spew bitterness and hurt and pain. Or moments when you choose to ask for help 
and surrender. Those are moments of transformation. And you know, I think for me, early on, it was easy to trust in the Holy Spirit. But then it's like, well, but I want to hold tighter. I know in, in my parenting journey with teenagers, you guys, I've wanted to control. I've, I've been motivated, you said it, by fear. And now I'm doing a lot of asking for forgiveness and humbling myself. Those are moments of deep transformation. Those are moments of transformation. And Paul, he's speaking to the Galatians in, uh, Galatian church in chapter 3. Let's put that up. He says, Have, having begun your new life by, by faith with the Spirit, are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh, that is, by your own works and efforts? So then does he who supply you with his marvelous Holy Spirit and work miracles among you do it as a result of the works of the law? which you perform, or because you believe confidently in the message which you heard with faith? That's the question I'm asking myself today. I'm encouraging you with. And you know, God is in the business of still transforming lives, my life, your life, and lives of people all over the nation. It isn't just, and and the nations of the world, but it's not just that moment of salvation. It's moments where we say that quiet yes to the Holy Spirit. It's that moment where we say, I surrender and I can't do this. When fear tries to creep up and we say, God, I trust you. So I want to end you, end this time with this quote by Lisa Turkhurst. I really love this. And she says, God is working, even in the silence and the unknown. That means I can stop pushing. I can stop trying to control. And I say amen to that. I can stop trying to make people something they aren't. I can embrace the truth that there is a savior of the world, but it isn't me. This doesn't mean I give up. It means I'm giving over to God what was never mine to carry. God is still transforming lives. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us at the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, we would actually love to see you in person, and we meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday in Bellevue. If you're interested, you can just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there, and we hope to see you there. Thanks again for joining us at the Kalos Church Podcast.